I'm excited to share God's word today. I really am. And uh, I've been talking about the power of open. Just the power of open and the options and the opportunities that come into our life when we open. And we, we've, we've been sharing how that when we open our heart to the door that Jesus is standing at and knocking, when we open that door, we find eternal life. Think of that. Think of that. I remember when I was in school, we learned about Ponce de Leon. Did anybody ever learn about Ponce de Leon? He was a Spanish explorer who went all over the world looking for the fountain of youth. That's what he was looking for, the fountain of youth. Well, there is no such thing, but there is eternal life. And that's what we find when we open that door. But we're also looking and, 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 and understanding that when we open our Bible we find the key to abundant life, victorious life, overcoming life. And obviously in life, there are things we have to overcome. The day will come when we're in heaven, but that day's not now and that day's not yet. And there are struggles and we, we have to overcome in life. How do we overcome in life? We open our Bible. Because we read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ, let God's word dwell in you, not be on a shelf somewhere. We cannot allow ourselves to get too lazy or too busy to be opening our Bible and letting the word of life guide us and direct us. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Your Bible is useful to teach you what is true. How many think that could be a rare commodity today? I mean, what is true? I mean, my, your Bible is there to teach you what is true. Watch. To make you realize what is wrong in your life. It corrects you when you're wrong and it teaches you to do what's right. God uses your Bible to prepare and equip you to do every good work. So why would it set in my house closed? If that's, if that's what the word of God does for me, then I need to be opening my Bible. And I need to be opening, opening it regularly. Regularly. You brush your teeth. You get out of bed. I hope you brush your teeth. If not, I was thinking masks could be a bit of an option, you know, if we don't groom. But you, you shower, I hope. You, there are things you do regularly because they're good and they're right. You need to read your Bible regularly. You need to read your Bible reverently. You need to read your Bible receptively. Maybe sometimes just try reading it on your knees. And see, just have a go at that. You need to read your Bible for readiness because, man, everything can change in a moment and battles can come in a moment. You can be going along just perfect and boom, there's a battle. And you need to be battle ready. You need to have readiness. We read our Bible for readiness. And we also read our Bible for retention so that we can meditate, memorize, and have the Word of God living in us day and night, day and night, thinking Filtering everything that's happening in my world through the truth of God's word and the scriptures. And then a couple weeks ago, we had Mission Sunday last week. But a couple weeks ago, we began to look at the reliability 
of the Bible. And we begin to look at the New Testament documents. And we begin to see how the, the New Testament documents, we have multiple independent sources that contributed to it. That we have thousands of New Testament manuscripts. That the manuscripts were written early, very early. That the, that the documents are a collection of eyewitness accounts and the eyewitnesses were willing to die rather than deny what they had seen with their own eyes. We also saw that there are, ten, uh, uh, I mentioned 10 non-Christian sources outside of the Bible that confirm the most important details of Jesus' life. Also, we saw that we can, if we had no manuscripts left at all, we can reconstruct the entire New Testament just from the quotes of the early church fathers who sat at the feet of the apostles. We saw that there is historical and archaeological evidence that corroborate the New Testament documents. And it's like new discoveries are being brought to us all the time. We also saw that the ancient prophecies are fulfilled in amazing ways in the New Testament. So, what we see is that we can read our Bible with confidence. With confidence. And I want to continue on that thought today, reading my Bible with confidence. I want to continue on that thought today as we look at science and scripture. That's what I've titled the message today. Science and scripture. Are science and scripture compatible? Can we believe what scripture says and at the same time believe what science says? Or maybe I could even say it the other way. Can we believe what science says and at the same time believe what scripture says? Or does science dispute? Does science disgrace? Does science disagree with the scriptures? Well, let's go there today. Would you reach your hand out towards me, please, and pray for me? Father, in these next few moments, I ask that you would help me speak all that you've put in my heart. And I pray I could speak it for your grace, glory, for your purpose. And Lord, that you would just use me. Use me right now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So what does Scripture say? It's important to understand that the Bible is not written as a scientific account, but the Bible does make claims about the natural world which can be verified or falsified by science. So here's what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning. The Bible says there was a beginning. That everything began to exist. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The scripture says in verse 3 of Genesis 1, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. We read in the gospel of John, Chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the... For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works. 
I love this passage in the New Living Translation. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. And then in Psalms chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Look at the splendor of your skies. Your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. And then one more. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. The Apostle Paul says, For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, what does science say? And this is what I want you to hear today. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. Science does not say anything, but a scientist who holds a worldview says things. The issue is not so much the relationship of science to Scripture. No, the issue is the relationship of science to the various worldviews that are held by scientists. In particular, naturalism or theism. You see, there are naturalist or materialist scientists telling us, screaming at us, that science eliminates God. And then there are theistic scientists telling us that science illuminates God. Naturalism is a philosophy that is brought to science, it is not science itself. As a matter of fact, philosophy professor, Dr. Douglas Gruthius says, most of the time, when you hear an atheist like Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris talking about science, they mean philosophical, when it's their philosophical view that's speaking. Dr. John Lennox, whom I've had the pleasure of sitting in his meetings. What a brilliant, wonderful scientist. He's the professor of mathematics at Oxford University, born-again Christian. He's inspired me so many times in my life. I've read much of his work. Dr. Lennox said, statements made by scientists 
are not necessarily statements of science. Scientists say things based on their worldview. So naturalism, the system of thought holding that all phenomena can be explained in terms of natural causes and laws. Or materialism is the view that the only thing that exists is matter. If anything else does exist, such as mental events, then it's reducible to matter because that's all there is. And then some would go so far as to say like Peter Atkins, professor of chemistry, famous atheist who I heard speak in Melbourne some years ago. Dr. Atkins says, there's no reason to, and I heard him speak at the atheist convention, not a church meeting. He said, there is no reason to suppose that science cannot deal with every aspect of existence. Really? Science doesn't say that. His worldview says that. Science doesn't make that claim. He makes that claim based on his worldview. Does science really have the answer to every aspect of existence? Really? In English, science comes from the Latin word scientia, which means knowledge. And science is an incredible source of knowledge. But it is not the only source of knowledge. If science is the only source of knowledge, then why do we study philosophy or history or ethics or literature or art or music? There are other sources of knowledge outside of science, contrary to some scientists' worldview. Scientists, a, sci a scientist, Science cannot tell me, or you, whether a poem is really great or really sucks. Science cannot tell you or me if a painting is a disaster or a masterpiece. Science can't answer questions like, why did everything begin? What are we alive for? What's the point of living? How should we live? Why am I here? Where am I going? <laughs> Professor John Lennox says this. Science can tell us that if you put strychnine in your grandmother's tea, it will kill her. But science cannot tell you whether scientists say, well, that depends on his or her world view. For example, in 2006, I had the privilege of reading Dr. Francis Collins', Collins book. i would never read a book like this one in my life. His book is called The Language of God. A Scientist Presents Evidence for Belief. Dr. Collins is a born-again Christian. Today, he holds one of the most prominent positions in science in the world. He, is the, he was the leader of the International Human Genome Project. That's a mouthful. The International Human Genome Project, which worked for more than a decade, get this, to reveal, to uncover, to map out the entire human DNA sequence. He's actually called the father of the human genome. 
When he and his team finished that work, President Bill Clinton at the time said this, without a doubt, this is the most important, most wondrous map ever produced by humankind. So what's amazing is that the written code or program, or as Dr. Collins says, language, the language that's in the cell, the language that's in the DNA, the language, the code, the, that, that which is written, that which is in the nucleus of the cell. He says, the written code or program or the language that is in the human cell. What, what we found out when he mapped the human genome is that the message in there would fill over 100 complete volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. That is how much is written in the human genome. Bill Gates said about DNA, he said it's like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software ever created. So what's amazing is inside every cell, and listen, Darwin did not know this, because Darwin knew nothing of DNA or the code or the message that is inside every single cell. There is, there is a message written in the cell that tells the cell what to do and how to act, just like a computer program. Computer programs work with zeros and ones, zeros and ones. Imagine those two little digits and all the computer programming in the world, whether it's to, to write, a, write something on, on your uh, Word program or to send a colony to Mars. All of that, all of that is written code and it is written in zeros and ones. But what we have found is that DNA is written in four letters, four letters, A, C, G, T. And those four letters are the code, the alphabet, that is in the message, that, sends, that writes the message for every cell to know what to do, to know how to act, to know where to go, to know what to be. And so Bill Gates says it's like a computer program, but far more advanced than anything that has ever been written. So what does the scientist say? Here's what Dr. Francis Collins, the scientist, here's what he said. For me, the experience of sequencing the human genome and uncovering this most remarkable of all texts was both a stunning scientific achievement and an occasion to worship. When he saw the design, the code, the text, the message, the exquisite programming that is in DNA, he called that an occasion to worship the language of God. Where there is a message, there is a mind. Where there is information, there is intent and intelligence. And yet, another scientist looks at the same thing. And so, Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist biologist with the same information, says this. The beauty of biology, really, is the illusion of design. The illusion that there is a mind behind the message that there is intelligence and intent in the information. It's the illusion. 
And it's the beauty of biology because of the illusion that things look like they've been designed, but it's just an illusion. In other words, you see, it can't actually be designed because that doesn't allow for my worldview. So it can't be. It can't be designed. You can't believe your eyes. You can't believe everything you know about messages and intelligent. You can't believe in it because that would presuppose something that goes against my worldview. It's not what the science says. It's what the scientist who holds a worldview says. Therefore, according to Dawkins, there is no design. It only looks like it's been designed. 100 encyclopedia volumes worth of written code in precise programming language. And the beauty of it is the illusion of design. What does the science say? Nothing. What does the scientist say? One scientist says, wonder of wonders. I bow and I worship. The other scientist says, the universe we observe has no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither Nobel laureate Steven Weinberg said, the world needs to wake up from the long nightmare of religion. Anything we scientists can do to weaken the hold of religion should be done and may in fact be our greatest contribution to civilization. Our greatest contribution to civilization is not our science, but our cynicism and our contentment of Christ. Our, our contempt of Christ. That's our greatest contribution, not the science. Science does not reprove religion. Science does not silence scripture. Science does not abolish the Bible. And there's a huge misconception that scientists are atheists. But that's a misconception. Because here's the fact. In 2009, Pew Research Center did a poll of over 2,000 scientists from the AAAS, the American uh, Advancement of Science, uh, the, the, what is it, the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And here's what they found in the poll they took. 48% of the scientists said they had no religious affiliation. In other words, they would describe themselves as atheists, agnostics, or nuns. 48%. For every atheist scientist, there's the other half, theistic scientists, a Jewish or a Muslim or a Christian who holds the worldview that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As a matter of fact, I don't normally recommend you go to Wikipedia for all of your knowledge, but there is a really great website 
uh, in Wikipedia called the list of Christians in science and technology. I walked, I went through that list this week and I promise you I was seriously impressed and you would be too if, if you go there. So science and scripture. What does the science say? Nothing. What do scientists say? Oh, well, that will depend on her or his world view. So I'm talking about the power of your open Bible. I'm talking about opening your Bible and reading it regularly and reverently and receptively and for readiness and for retention. And I want you to know that you can open it with confidence and conviction that it is true. It is true. And this book answers questions that science cannot answer. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going when I die? How should I live my life? Let me let those questions hang in the air as I close for a moment and just read these passages from the New Testament in light of the questions I've just asked. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? How should I live? Where am I going when I die? I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Long before he had laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long before there was a foundation of earth, his mind was focused on you and on me. Verse 5, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ, the eye of God. You were in his thoughts, the love of God. You were in his heart. The purpose of God is that you, through Jesus Christ, would be adopted into the eternal family of God and be part of God and his family forever and ever and ever. And then verse 11, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and why we are, what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, before God our hopes up, he had his eye on us and designs on us for glorious living. Simon's gonna come in just a moment and finish up this thought for us, but I wanna pray. Heavenly Father, for everyone at home today and everyone in the house here today, I pray your word would unlock Unlock minds and hearts. Father, we have a great God and a great mind and an intelligence and a maker behind everything that exists who had his eyes on us before the world came into being that we might know you and love you and be with you and be part of your eternal family. Father, I pray that we would open our Bibles that we would live overcoming and glorious and victorious lives and that we could read our Bibles with confidence in Jesus' name.